0: Hello and welcome to the first Practice Drill podcast episode of 2022, our 31st overall this week, we dissect the whole Ashes series and Australia's dominant performance. Then we look at Glenn Maxwell's insane innings against the Hobart Hurricanes last night. And finally, we look towards the Rugby Six Nations tournament coming up in just a couple of weeks. Shout out to Sencho once again providing a killer intro. His first time doing it in 2022. I know he'd be proud. And he's introducing my good
1: mate Blaze McKay. Blaze. 2022 you excited for the year ahead very excited i think it's been a very good start obviously taking a bit of a break from the podcast but there's been plenty of sport on it and we've been talking a lot about it so we're ready to get back into it well mate we had to take a break
0: and just sit back and watch the disgraceful performance of the england cricket team over the ashes and i know we'll get into it shortly but but what did you make of uh the summer of cricket so far
1: yeah, it was definitely an interesting one. I think England came into the series with a lot of, you know, a lot of high hopes, and and there was a lot of chat that they were going to be really competitive. But you know, they were disappointing at the World Cup, and Australia obviously had a really great World Cup, and then I think the momentum of that really carried them into the start of the series. And you know, England started okay, but as the series went on, they really fell away, and and there were some pretty, as you say, uh, I guess disgraceful performances towards the end there.
0: Yeah, it was uh, a very, very interesting tour, to say the least, for uh, the British. But if you'd like to stay up to date on NRL, AFL, cricket, rugby, and NBA basketball, we are still going strong on our Instagram and Twitter. We're getting back up. We're hoping to have a really strong 2022 on those platforms. So go and look up the handle at T underscore Practice Drill on both platforms, and you'll find us there to stay up to, uh, to, stay up to date, really. Um, but let's get into this Ashes review now. Obviously, everyone knows Australia's won 4-0. Very convincing. They were one ball away from 5-0 in that uh, what really was the best test of the lot, the SCG test, which turned out to be a draw, uh, Travis Head named player of the series scoring the most runs at three hundred and fifty seven. Average of fifty nine and a half. Pretty good for T Head who also missed a test as well. That's gotta be a big confidence boost because coming into the series we'd spoken about, is it Uzi or is it T
1: Head that gets that number five spot and he's really solidified it? Yeah, that's been I guess a position in Australia's batting order that's been, you know, up for grabs for quite a while. Travis Head obviously a player of huge talent and, and has held that position quite a number of times but obviously there's a lot of questions and and this series probably cemented him in that position for the next few years you know he came back in Tasmania as you said he, he'd had a week off and and he didn't put a foot wrong on a pretty t- tough wicket there and, and England really on top when he came into bat in the first innings and you know he again I think he counter-attacked really well he, he played a pretty free game which is what he likes to do, and yeah, he scored a really impressive hundred down in Tasmania.
0: That that was up there with one of the most impressive batting performances of the entire series, because, like you said, Australia were three for twelve in that first innings, and him and Minus obviously just went, look, we're not going to do anything, just you know trying to defend because everyone else has just gone out like that. Let's put the pressure back on on uh, the English. And England really struggled when they had that pressure on it. We saw it, you know, in all five test matches. And when Australia had that little bit of pressure, they flicked a switch. And, you know, they ended up posting, what, like over 300 in the end. So, you know, that was a very impressive innings. But it was kind of, everyone was in the race for that player of the series. And someone who was right up there was the skipper, Pat Cummins. What a series he had. Leading wicket-taker with 21 and an average of 18.8. Uh, zero 4 that's very good but how about the start of the captaincy for uh, Bill blue ice
1: yeah I really like you know the energy he brought into the into the team and and obviously results were going their way which which is a huge boost but he seemed to always you know be quite a positive positive influence and always having a bit of a laugh and, and joke on the field and I think the the combination of him and um, obviously Steve Smith captained one Test match but I thought they worked together pretty well, and, and everything he did seemed to seemed to pay off. And, you know, I guess there was a lot of talk about Ebola being the captain, but, again, I think it worked really well when when Australia did need a, a big wicket. And, and there were a few times during the series where England, I guess, managed a bit of a partnership. I think Pat Cummins, more often than not, would come in and, and get that key wicket.
0: Yeah, I- I can't believe that I was skeptical of having a bowler as a captain. I mean, I started to think about the game of test cricket and, you know, it's good to have a, a, you know, batsman or a wicketkeeper as your captain because, you know, they don't have to be thinking about the bowling. They're thinking about the tactics of the game um, and then they can focus on their batting. But if you have a bowler as your captain, he's, you know, Pat Cummins has been playing test cricket for quite a number of years now. He knows... Who should be on at the right time, and in the past he wouldn't have had that say. It's whatever Tim Payne says. It's whatever Steve Smith says. So for him to finally be in a position where he can go, you know, I know this is the time to not keep going with Nathan Lyon, or I know this is the time to bring Cam Green on for a few overs, or get me and Starkey going for a bid, and then you know um, Hazelwood or Boland, whoever was whoever was there, he made the right choices. And as you said, even when there was partnerships building, he often went to himself to break them. But when they needed, you know, key wickets early on, if Joe Root was just getting in, he knew bring, bring me on. If Milan's out there, bring Stark on. Like all these guys who had the wood over the batsman, he made those choices even if the previous bowl was coming off a wicket taking over. So that was unbelievable by him. Uh, one of the best captaincy series I've ever seen, really. Um, but he did have the luxury of having a pretty even spread of, you know, bowlers you know, performing throughout the tour. Who was your pick of the bowlers?
1: I think, obviously, well, Pat Cummins leading, we could take it. But other than that, it's pretty hard to go past, I guess, Scotty Boland. Yeah. You know, he only played a few test matches. But, you know, I think that performance at the MCG will probably go down as, as one of the most, at least the most memorable ones uh, we'll ever see. And, and, you know, I guess that was something that was really positive for Australia throughout the series. Guys that came in, you know, Jai Richardson did really well. Michael Nessa held his own. Uzi Kawaja came in and scored uh, twin centuries. And then Travis Head obviously came back in Hobart and scored 100. And that's probably something Australia have lacked, I guess, in the last few years. We've had guys like Steve Smith, Labashane, Mitchell Stark at the top of the game. But then we've probably struggled and relied a bit too heavily on a few guys. So it was really good to see, you know, four or five batsmen stand up. And with the ball, we had six or seven guys, really with Cam Green as well, throughout the series, uh stand up and and take wickets
0: so if you just because you mentioned cam green you think if cam green scores 100 it's game over for the rest of the world for a while do you think australia
1: just going to be too hard to defeat i think the the benefit of having good all-rounder is is amazing and there are only a few in really the history of test cricket you know you think of your jacques and guys like that you know Australia have always struggled we obviously had Shane Watson who was pretty amazing and probably underappreciated in Australia you know he was a bit of a meme for his different <laughs> review techniques and, and whatnot but he in the end he was not an incredible player and, yeah. and it's one of those things you probably don't know what you've got till it's gone and we've been I guess hunting for that guy since he's left and you know plenty of guys have played that role but Cam Green looks like a really solid player and you know he he doesn't try to overplay his hand in, in either facet and, you know, he did contribute throughout uh throughout the series with both bat and ball. And I think what was particularly impressive was that, you know, he struggled early with the bat but obviously made a few technical uh, changes and, Definitely. and really, you know, finished the series really strong with, again, another very important 75-odd in, in Hobart.
0: Yeah, it's just disappointing he couldn't get to that 100, but he hits the ball so nicely, man. He's he's going to be exciting to watch and to think, you know, he's only a couple of years older than us, you know. It could be, could be you in a couple of years, man. Um, but England, they really did limp to the end of the series. Obviously, Sydney was... They showed some fight, but that last innings in Hobart was, you know, just embarrassing, really, just... Didn't really show much care for their wicket. How do they bounce back after such a disappointing series that we know or that we've all heard of was something that they were really excited for and been preparing for over the last four years?
1: Yeah, I think it was tough. Obviously, the problem for them is that they had guys coming in and out the whole series, and then, you know, guys coming in didn't really perform. So, you know, like you look at their opening batsman, they dropped Rory Burns after the second test and then had to bring him back in at the end of the series. So, They'll definitely have some, I guess, some questions to answer. You know, they they there were some positives for them. I thought Mark Wood was was really impressive, and he finished in Hobart with a six for, and just the energy and uh, I guess the pace he brought throughout the series did trouble the Australian batsmen from time to time. And then uh, Johnny Besto had a really impressive hundred in yeah, Sydney, that was very good. and I think he was a huge loss for them then in Hobart. So. There were a few, I guess, shining lights, but overall it was a pretty dour tour for them and and they're probably going to have to go back to the drawing board. But I guess the other funny thing about cricket is they'll probably go back to England and and have a few series there and probably go all right. And then, you know, in, in two years' time when they come back here, I guess many of the same narratives will be spread around. So it will be interesting to see, I guess... A lot of young players they've got at the moment, so whether they, I guess, stick with a few of those guys, you know, Zach Crawley looked all right, Ollie Pope, you know, he's got a lot of reputation behind him, but really struggled this tour, so I guess it's interesting to see if they stick with those guys or or look for something different. Yeah, and I think,
0: I just feel like Anderson and Broad, if they're going to retire, especially Anderson, is going to want to leave on something significant. And he might be iron off in a couple of years' time. The Asher series in England, uh, so they better want to prepare well, get a good team. But at the same time, it's kind of like he's a bit of the problem. He they need to start, you know, looking towards the future because um, you know a bit shocking, you know, some of the decisions that they made with uh, him uh, selection wise throughout the tour. But we'll move on to the next topic, and you you mentioned the one day. Uh, sorry, the T20 World Cup and how Australia kind of rode off the back of that into the Ashes series. One of the heroes, Glenn Maxwell, goes berserk last night at the MCG. One of the most amazing innings you'll ever see. He scored the highest ever Big Bash League total score of 154 not out of just 64 deliveries. It included 22, 22 fours and four sixes. That's a total of 112 runs off the bat going to the boundary um what do you make of that that's just insane to even you know say
1: pretty incredible i guess there's only a handful of guys probably in the world that can really produce a performance like that and we're pretty lucky in australia that we've got you know glenn maxwell is definitely one of those guys and you know probably even more impressive it was at the mcg so a pretty huge ground you know sometimes you know you see these bbl games or domestic cricket games played at some of the, the smaller grounds and you can see some very big scores but this is probably the biggest ground in the world. And, you know, he's, he's a guy that I guess he's always going to be, you know, in around that Australian setup. And, you know, he probably hasn't had the success there that he wanted to. But, you know, we see the quality of him at the domestic level. And, yeah. and he's an incredibly important player for cricket in Australia to, to keep, I guess, growing and, and getting to new markets. A guy like Glenn Maxwell and these sort of performances are, are really huge.
0: So Stoinis, also one of those you know luxury players that Australia has, was a part of the uh, T20 World Cup winning side. He contributed late in the innings, and it was late. He was probably only in there for you know the last maybe eight overs of the innings. Uh, 75 not out of 31 deliveries, both of them striking at over a 200 strike rate. How crazy is that? You know, the Stars have kind of been a little bit inconsistent uh, this season, but to have those two doing that, that's going to give them a world of confidence. What did you make of Stoinis' innings?
1: Yeah, it's pretty funny. I guess when the other guy scores 150, that kind of goes under the radar. And the crowd was
0: booing him because he was keeping the strike off Maxwell, you know, but I don't even know why because he was still going berserk. Um, Maybe people were expecting maybe a a double century from uh, Maxwell
1: yeah i guess it's one of the quirks of i guess t20 cricket everyone <laughs> wants to see maxi on strike but i mean Stoinis again is an incredible player and has you know incredible power the way he hits the board down the ground is is you know something t- to be seen for sure and i guess the stars have struggled they obviously had some COVID. they had quite a few guys out but obviously finished the tournament on a high which i guess is all they can ask for and and i guess those guys will be looking to some obviously the australian uh white ball tours with New Zealand has just been cancelled, but I guess they'll be looking to continue this year and, and, you know, keep playing for uh, their domestic sides and then hopefully get some games for Australia later in the year.
0: Yeah, well, the Stars ended up with the highest total in Big Bash League history of two for 273. The previous best was held by the Sydney Thunder, our side. Uh, Was was Uzi in that game? It might have been. Probably, yeah. Uh, we're five for 232. And Stoinis also had the previous best uh, individual score of 147 not out. So, you know, records were falling at the MCG last night. Uh, one of the funniest statistics to take away from this game is that every Hurricanes bowler ended with an economy of over 10. Like, that's just something you, you probably won't see again, or, or very often, at least. And the highest one, two overs, I think it was one for 40. So an economy of 20, just crazy. Um, obviously, from that position, Hobart pretty much had no chance of winning. Um, uh, even though they have, you know, one of the most explosive batting lineups. You were at one of the games earlier this season at the SCG where Matty Wade was going berserk. Um, but they lost by a whopping total of 106 runs. So not really a close one at the MCG, but still one of the most entertaining games of BBL 11. Now, we'll move on to our final topic, and today we're talking about the Six Nations. Now, the comp starts on Feb 6. France enters favourites, and they're building up as you know one of the favourites to win possibly the World Cup. Um, really emerging as a powerhouse in world rugby now how excited are you I know you're a big rugby fan so you must be excited for some bit of uh, international play
1: yeah definitely I think the Six Nations is probably outside of the World Cup the the premier international competition it, it's probably a bit of a higher standard than the rugby championship that we see down here and you know it's going to be really exciting it's the first time in three years that they're going to be able to have crowds at the tournament so that's going to be a, a really important. Yeah, right thing you know the crowds up there are super passionate and on that first weekend you know England are going to be playing Scotland uh, at Murrayfield which is always a huge battle I think England in any sport they play have that I guess reputation as the team that basically everyone wants to beat because of their their history so yeah. the Scottish are definitely going to be up for it and I think that's probably the game to watch on that first weekend
0: And then in round four, you know, because England are the team that everyone wants to beat, but they're also, it's also because they're a good side. They are, you know, up there being favourites with France. They play each other in the fourth round. Who do you think walks away with the chocolates there?
1: I think that's going to be probably the game that decides the Six Nations. I think, you know, those two teams are definitely probably the form teams in the world. We saw last year the November tour, there was a bit of a shift to those Northern Hemisphere sides, which we haven't seen for a while obviously teams like the All Blacks and South Africa have kind of been at the top of the world at the moment but these two are probably two of the favourites as you said to win the World Cup so my early prediction would probably be leaning towards France but but I know the English you know under Eddie Jones have, have experimented with a few players over the last few years and they're really going to be probably cementing their sort of side now for this Six Nations and, and they're probably going to be you know, a bit more consistent than they have in the past where they've been trying out a few combinations and whatnot. And I may be coming at this wrong, but, you know, England
0: often strike me when it's played in rugby as a side that's really gritty. It's a tough game. you are got to come out of it, you know... More so than you would out of other games, and they kind of drag teams down, you know, a little bit from their level. Do you think they will have the potential to really get France off their game and and cause a bit a bit of an upset there?
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be the interesting. I guess clash of two styles. The French, on the other hand, like to like to play rugby, particularly in the last few years. You know, they've got a lot of young guys coming through that like to play an exciting brand of rugby and, and pass the ball around. So. I think you're right, the English will definitely try to be a bit more traditional in their game and, and look maybe towards their forward pack, which they probably have a bit of an advantage there, and then you know, back their, their key game drivers at 9 and 10 to, to kick them into position and, and you know kick penalty goals when they're on offer. So I think you've got the nail on the head there with England's game plan, and it's up to the French, I guess, to try to combat that.
0: So, any interesting stories to follow coming into the World Cup besides that, you know, battle and the shift towards the
1: Northern Hemisphere powers? Yeah, I think there's always a few ones around the namings of the squads and and people in and out. And one, I guess, for the Aussie fans to look at is is Mac Hansen, who's uh, just been named in the Irish squad, a winger. Really? Um, I think he qualifies through the Irish through through a grandparent, but uh, he was actually with the Brumbies last year, and, and is an Australian born and and kind of raised here and came to our systems, played probably a handful of games for the Brumbies last year in Super Rugby and uh, moved over to Connacht in Ireland this season and has really torn it up over there and, and is straight into the Irish squad. So he's going to be one to watch, I guess, potentially one that got away from Australia and it'll be interesting to see how he goes in that in that environment. Well that's uh that's a very interesting story. So I can't wait for the Six
0: Nations to start again. The comp starts on February sixth, but that is us done. The first episode of two thousand twenty two. Thanks for listening.
1: Uh Blaze, what is
0: a bit of sport they're excited to watch this week.
1: I think this, this time of year is always an interesting one. Obviously, the cricket's just finished and, and the Oz Open's on. You know, I love in the first week of the Oz Open, there's always a few random Australians that make a run to about the third round and, yep. and everyone gets behind them. So, I'm really looking forward to that. And I, I love myself a bit of Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, Swaggy so, Nick's on tonight. Yeah, he's on tonight. Hopefully, he puts on another I think good performance.
0: think he's Medvedev or however you pronounce his name. Second seed. So, you know, Swaggy Nick always plays well against the top seed. So, I think everyone in Australia will be tuned in for that besides... uh my mom shout out to mom uh not a big fan of swaggy nick <laughs> um but anyway that is us done go and follow us on instagram and twitter at t underscore practice drill keeping up to date on all things NRL, afl rugby union cricket and nba basketball until then enjoy the tennis enjoy hopefully some big bash and some international cricket and uh get yourself keen for the six nations all right have a good one see ya